tuning in. We're sitting in the truck dying to go back out into the elk woods. We have been hunting with uh, Grant for the last week or so, and I'm currently with Colin and Ben. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about stalking elk. In the past, we've done a lot of calling, but when we were hunting with Grant, something that we incorporated a little bit more into our strategy was just moving in on the bugle and trying to intercept bulls. So in this podcast, we're going to be talking about that. We're also just going to probably talk about a number of other things related to elk hunting and some of the things that we've learned. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you guys that we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media's censorship. If you want to be on social media and not have to worry about being censored as a hunter, then you should definitely check out Go Wild. It's a free social community where your photos aren't censored and they're encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn those points, you also unlock awesome rewards. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. All you got to do is click the link in the description of this podcast or visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. All right, you guys tired of listening to me do this intro? I mean, that was one of the better ones you've ever done as far as speed. It was just short and sweet and to the point. Need, Need any more plugs? Well, all the plugs are in the description of the podcast, Colin, so... All right, good. <laughs> now we can go hunting faster, because it's all done. So, what are some of the things that you guys have learned in the last few days, as far as, like, moving in on bugles? What are some of the things that stand out to you guys? At first, got to point out the deer right in front of us. Nice. The guy's yard. Beautiful. Don't see it, but coming I believe up, Coming you. right on those pine trees. It's the beauty of Colorado. You can have some yard deer. Yeah, literally right next to a Frenchie. (laughs) Ben, what are some of the things you observe currently or learned about stalking elk? (laughs) Um, We talked about this a little yesterday, but um, I think I've learned a lot about how a a herd or a bull and cows sounds when you're within the bubble. Mm Kind of like when you're stalking in on a turkey and you're listening for drumming, Mm -hmm. you know, scratching like the really subtle sounds mm-hmm. i feel like the past few days we've learned, learned a lot of those subtle sounds that an, a herd makes since you've just been following them around the woods mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to close distance on the bull yeah i think it's important to note that like in the past we've done you know very specific calling setups and kind of a specific style of hunting almost exclusively mm-hmm. which is kind of that run and gun blast and bugles and a lot of that is because I learned to elk hunt, you know, initially from Cody at Born and Raised. And their style is just, you know, hit the big dark timber, cruise as fast as you can, blast, you know, bugles every two, three hundred yards. And when you find one that responds, now you make your move. And I would say, especially in the last two years, we've kind of just um, taken that strategy and then thrown that into our bag of tools i guess because i feel like we're doing like every every situation is very similar but like i think of last year and this year so far having been very different than the first two years that we hunted elk like the first absolutely first two years it's like get up high and just move and bugle a bunch and like now i feel like we find one and we play it differently every time where prior it was just like gonna bugle our way to him and 
hopefully he comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like before we'd even like discussed like the fact that oh, if they don't want to come to a bugle, we'll just find a different one. Mm-hmm. Whereas the last last year and this year, even more specifically, is we've if we find a bugling elk or even a quiet elk like yesterday, we'll make a move in on them and try and play it just like as slow as we can listen for him right over the hill listen for the cows and try and spot him without him even having to he doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to interact yeah and i mean that's again it's very situational right so um and you 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 did say ben like turkey hunting i think you Mm -hmm. mentioned like the one thing that i think is um pretty interesting as far as comparing it to um turkey hunting specifically is if you want to hunt a turkey that's gobbling, you can certainly do that. You know, you hunt kind of a that hot time of the year when they're gobbling the most in your area, and you call until one gobbles, and then, you know, you only hunt that turkey. But if you want to maximize how many turkeys, you know, you can get, you want to fill, you know, your tags every season, then I think it makes a lot of sense to play every situation a little bit different. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, the turkey that's gobbling is brains off, coming straight down the ridge is you know that's pretty straightforward now it's a lot of fun it's super intense and it's exciting but like you know there's also the turkey that is not got you know he gobbled a couple times on a limb flew down with hens and that's it Mm -hmm. you can't play that exactly the same you can't go in you know yapping on calls or they're probably just gonna not pay any attention to you i mean you can do that but i don't know that that's always the best strategy it's just situational yeah and and then you compound it with elk with the fact that you're dealing with in those cases a lot of like a herd mm-hmm. so you're, you're not even really trying to like you don't want to throw off the mood of the bull but more importantly like all the cow so you know social interaction mm-hmm. that's going on there because they're going to be the one that's kind of driving mm-hmm. to get the heck out of there or stay interested or at least stay around mm-hmm. whereas like with you know a tom might have a couple hands but you're not dealing with a dozen or more eye, set of eyes. Yeah, there. not typically. Not typically. <laughs> you know, but one thing that I feel like is really different this year is we're dealing with a lot more bulls that have cows. Mm-hmm. In the you know last the, year too. Last year, yeah, we didn't see very many that were alone. Whereas like nineteen and twenty, I don't even know if I saw a cow. Like yeah, there was not very many cows around. No. Um, so you had a lot more like a lot of bulls that were just cruising. Mm-hmm. And that's how, you know, the bull you killed in 2019 was. And the one that we got pretty close to yesterday was doing the mm-hmm. same thing, yeah. you know. But for the most part, every one of them had a lot of cows. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it definitely is different. Like, it's 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 almost like the style, too, plays into what we're finding. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like now we're so ultra-focused on getting up to a position where we can hear a lot so it's like in stages you know you go um to that high point you listen you hear the bugle then you're trying to decide okay how can we cut them off or you know how can we get into position to be in the ball game here is it like right now do we need to be patient um i guess really the last couple of days i guess of the most recent thing we've been doing has been just hear one and then just start cutting distance like i kept telling grant like cut it cut it you know like he'd bugle and we'd just cut the distance and i think in the past it's been like oh he bugled and he's fired up like let's call and it was almost like in this hunt 
there were some situations we did that, and I still do think that that is important. I don't, I don't necessarily want to write off calling or make it sound like we're not going to call anymore because it's not that. But it's like if he's bugling every 30 seconds, it's just like a tar- turkey that's gobbling every 30 seconds. Unless I'm set up in at like at 150 yards where I know he's going to come in, I'm not going to just you know crack on that turkey call. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the the elk call now. It's like if he's bugling every you know. 30 seconds or two minutes even it's just you know cut the distance every time he bugles and just be safe and a lot of this stuff too you guys uh listening like take into consideration is pretty dense timber mm-hmm. so we're not necessarily hunting bulls that are bugling in the open this is not going to be the same as you know bulls that are bugling out in the you know more broken timber which is a lot of elk country um, but specifically what we're talking about in most of these situations is like really, really dense stuff. So it's like bull bugles, we just cut in as close as we possibly can. And really it's crazy, you know, the last, you know, week or so, we haven't really had much as far as like response to a call other than like a locator bugle. Other than that, it's been pretty like, well, we didn't really call anything in. Every time we were like, you know, in the game, we were just getting right up to them by listening, stalking in on that bugle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one thing that one thing we learned like pretty quickly, it's kind of known, is every time it bugles, all he's doing is telling you where he's at. Right. So if you stay silent and use that to your advantage and just run in there, mm-hmm. it really helps. I mean, it helps the whole situation because you know, all right, I have another 100 yards I can cover before I'm in the danger zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously have cows to worry about and things like that. but And what we're talking about right now, I think, too, another important thing to note is this is like prime time. Like, we, w- we have been first and last light mostly. Now, there is a different situation, and I think this is one that's fun to talk about, is like when we know where one beds... Like, we basically hang with him to hear him bugle to the point where we know he's bedded. Mm -hmm. So we maybe are following that bugle, or maybe we're just able to hear it all from that high point. But it eventually gets to a point, and this kind of taps back into what you were talking about. It gets to a point where his bugle will change. When he's chasing the cows around, he's getting super loud. That front end's really high, and then he goes, you know, the, the... lip ball at the end mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of like the classic cruising or not cruising but a chasing bugle he's like corralling cows that's pretty standard but then as he starts to bed or get closer to bedding his bugle changes and it's more just like a high pitch even to the point where sometimes those bed bugles sound like hunter's bugles mm-hmm. you know like a hunter bugle we always joke is just yeah, it's just super, and it, a lot of times it's just, wee even, you know, yeah. wee And sometimes that's what the bedded bull sounds like, and I don't know that my first two seasons I knew that. Mm-hmm. I think last year I started to learn it, and then this year we've definitely got a lot of good experiences of, like, hanging, either hanging with them or just knowing that they're bedding in this area because we watched them go into those positions or heard them go into those positions. And I think it, I think it is pretty dang cool to listen to the difference now when he's bedded you know i guess somebody else talk about like our approach to 
knowing when one's bedded and like how that's kind of evolved and like where we feel like we've messed up and improved because we've definitely talked about that plenty lately. Yeah, I think one thing to point out too is that on the bugles is like even before they bed, he's doing. <clears throat> it seems like if he's within eyesight of all of his cows, he's doing like a like I can't mm-hmm. really a hissing more than a mm-hmm. an actual note. Yeah, it's and not it, to where it only maybe will go a couple hundred yards. Yes, and it's like if you hear that, you know that you know you probably don't need to make much noise, or right. you shouldn't be making much noise because he's just unless running. you're trying to call to him, uh, right. you know. But if you're stalking in, I mean, it's yeah. like, all right, you're in the bubble mm-hmm. <laughs> if you hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is definitely uh, a true thing is that volume change is huge. Like, yeah. the volume change has been something that I didn't, you know, you hear about it. And, like, I've heard, again, I we always relate everything to turkeys, and that probably ticks some people off. But I've heard turkeys gobble super quiet before, like, last day of season when I was hunting in Wisconsin with, uh, or well, filming Whitney and mm-hmm. Jake and Bruce, I watched this turkey gobble at like 50 yards, barely. Like, I don't even, I don't, I can't honestly say that I heard it. <laughs> I saw him do it, but I don't know that I actually heard it. You know Jeez, what I mean? Yeah. And the same thing with the, the elk bugling. We had a bull bugle at 40 yards a couple of days ago and I filmed him do it. And it's like, he sounds like he's a mile away yeah. and he just is like it's almost like yeah a hiss before the high pitch but the high pitch is so low volume the pitch is there but the volume's low Mm -hmm. so it just gets confusing sometimes and i think it's just interesting and you know if you're hanging with them you're gonna hear that more than you know i don't know calling to him a bunch if you're calling to him a bunch he's gonna rev his bugle up i think Mm -hmm. yeah if he's interested Mm mm-hmm or he's going to just leave. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like those corral up and get the heck out bugles are really loud. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think of the time in 2020 when we, we were with Doug, we went around that steep hillside and we mm-hmm. blasted a bugle to where we assumed they were bedded. And then mm-hmm. it was just like, he hit right back with a really loud, like, lip ball. We're like, oh, like, sweet. He's going to come in. <laughs> and he's just crawling up and over the mountain. Yeah. Like, going straight up rocks. Yeah. Like, crazy, crazy. That's a good. That's a good example of, like... It was definitely a corral. Like, all right, girls, move on. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, why don't you guys talk about the slow play and, like, how we differ from that example where we went straight to where they were bedded and blasted off a bugle to where we've decided now we want to change that approach, at least in some of these situations where we, we figure it's a bull bedded with a group of cows. Yeah, the slow play is... It's kind of weird because we haven't been used to it, but like that very first one on the first day we got here, mm-hmm. like we knew, we saw that bull up above tree line. Um, we knew he had a bunch of cows and we knew generally where he was going to bed. So we just started working in and cow calling, but we were moving super slow and like just basically inch by inch until he finally responded to those cow calls and was like, all right, there he is 150 yards away. And then we slowly just... And this took, like, I mean, important to note, this took hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, oh. this isn't something that we're just, like, you know, oh, we heard him, now we're hanging with him. It's like, there was some time in there where we were kind of confused as to, are we even hearing him? Like, is that, like, faint sound him even, mm-hmm. you know? What did that take, like, 
it was a couple hours to Three even get f- up there. Yeah, I would say in total it took about four ish, yeah. if not mm-hmm. if not five, because I think the whole like thing, the whole you know setup took or was at about eleven, pushing eleven. So you know from seven a.m. till eleven, however long. Yeah, and that was just we didn't bugle. We might have did a locator bugle like early when we were pretty far from them. A couple times we did, but but we were way off. But then we just kind of were trying to get right there in that bedding area to where if we did bugle at them again, it was like, we're here to take your cows, kind of pissed off, or, you know, just let him get fired up that he thinks he lost a cow and he's going to come to us. Mm -hmm. You know, slip right into that bedding area. Do do you want to talk about the... What actually happened? About how we screwed it up. <laughs> I mean, we we can. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll tell. I'll just tell like the part of Grant and I. So like, we moved up and we got into a really solid setup and um, started with just cow calling once we were close. So like, this is a point too where we've heard him continued cut distance but now that bugle has changed and when he does it the last i think three times we went probably from like three 300 yards to like 200 yards to like 100 yards probably from him bedded and we didn't see any elk we didn't see any cows and we just got to a spot where it was like man you know he's got to be like right up there just out of sight similar to like the hunt that we had last year with Jake, just super close to him, and Cal called, and he let out some lazy bed bugles, and it's like, okay, cool, like, this is, this is good, like, he's definitely bugling more than he was on his own, now that he's heard the cow call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're set up in the shadows, feeling good, Colin is the messenger, and then Ben is drop back from Colin another what 20 30 yards. Yeah. So then you can take over. Well, basically <laughs> I'm I'm in the center filming and I'm trying to rack focus on Zach and Grant and then look up and Zach's making hand signals towards me and I'm trying to like relay back to him like this is this what you want us to do and like our bugle hand signal is like a hang loose. Know, it's yeah, the hang it, 10. It's, it's hang 10. It's the pinky out and the thumb out. So I make eye contact with Zach, throw up a hang 10, and he shakes his head no. Well, I threw it up, like, to the side. So so he's silo- so the so the hang 10 <laughs> is silhouetted yeah. on, uh, from all angles? So Ben sees that silhouetted. I'm looking at Zach. Zach's shaking his head no, and Ben just rips a bugle. Like, <laughs> faster. I, I didn't even know if my pinky was all the way out yet. <laughs> the joke has been that, like, before Colin even got his hand, hand extended that ben was bugling it was like one of those deals where it was like no and i think you know just in that situation well and then from my perspective i was just trying to tell colin to like keep going i was i was i was saying like keep keep cow calling we're gonna stop because we're up pushed up if you take over behind us ben as caller like that you know, hopefully we'll bring him past us and make him think that the cows are kind of moving further. Well, the bugle happened, and I mean, as soon as Ben had, as quickly as Ben bugled to the hang 10, the bull was up pushing cows. Yeah. And 
they kind of skirted us up at like 60 yards um, and eventually just got downwind. I tried to save it with like a super aggressive um, challenge bugle, but at that point they had already like got past us, Grant and I at least, and were getting downwind. And it's interesting because we kind of learned the hard way doing this a bunch of times last year. Like we ended up shooting that bowl on Jake's last day last year, mm-hmm. but prior to that we would hear these bulls just like the same exact situation as this morning that we just talked about this season. Mm -hmm. Like four days in a row last year, we'd hear a bull from a high point. We'd hear exactly where he'd go bed. And we were literally able to pin within a hundred yards of where we thought he was because we could not only hear him down there, but we could see exactly the terrain feature that he was on. And like no joke we were pinning you know i would say within 100 yards every time like Mm -hmm. accurately just like well you know you're hearing a bull bugle from a specific spot it's fairly easy to pinpoint that at especially if you're listening to it for multiple hours getting to him Mm -hmm. so we'd spend all this time getting the wind right and everything right and you know we'd crawl way down in there and get close to this thing and we'd take all the time in the world to do it right and then we would just blast a bugle right in their face because again this is like combining you know, a new strategy with what we'd done in the past, which was exclusively blast bugles off. Mm -hmm. And pretty much every single time that we did that, it freaked them out. There's Colin right there. That's something we observed. (laughs) Colin just drove by exactly looked like him, just rode past on a bike. So we're seeing deer and Colin's doppelganger over here. (laughs) But um, we're just in the local city part. (laughs) But the problem was when we were doing that last year is exactly what happened this year when we bugled too early. He's immediately just like, okay, who's that? That's abrupt. Let's get out of here. And I think, you know, you got to kind of always visualize from their perspective if you're a caller. It's like, why did all of a sudden this bull just bugle at, you know, this other bull just bugle at, like, how did I not even know he was here? Right. So the whole time we're sneaking in, not bugling to him, and then all of a sudden we're 100 yards away and we just scream in his face. He's like, okay, I'm going to get out. Yeah. Now, you know, I hear a lot about people talk about, like, get into 100 yards and then challenge bugle him. And I think that that definitely works, but I don't know if – I guess one thing that I'd be curious to ask other people with more experiences is, like, what are the steps – like, what are you doing to get there yeah, in like, the first place? Are what, you stalking in or what? And what's what's his demeanor when you start that challenge? Like, mm-hmm. are you, are you, is he getting fired up on his own? Mm-hmm. If you can't, you know, your cow calling, you're pretending pretend you're like cows moving in through, and then he gets fired up. And then, mm-hmm. like, what's, what's leading up to that point? Because I think you're right. Like, if you just sneak in and do that, it not, I mean, it freaks everyone out. Mm-hmm. It's just like, why is this? First of all, a bedded bull is not going to be that loud. Right. Oh yeah, if you and if you walk in, you know, walk up behind somebody in the in the grocery store and yell in their ear, they're probably going to run away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, you should just do it with the bugle tube. <laughs> I think. Call them in. I think that like going in cow calling is, you know, I guess looking to the future here the rest of this season something i want to toy around with a little bit more is just cow call like once we've established that spot like if we find ourselves in these similar situations which i think we will but who knows 
if you find yourself in a situation where you know where he's at and he's bedded and it's middle of the day, like go in and cow call and ramp the situation up. Don't necessarily go straight for that bugle. Just get him fired up to the point where maybe you can tell he's on his feet. Because again, we're talking about the difference in the sound of the bugle based off of his demeanor. If he's laying there, I mean, everybody's heard, you know, lazy bed bugle term. Whether you've heard it in real life or not, you've heard that term. And that's a real thing is not really doing a whole lot. But if you can tell he's starting to get revved up, maybe he's on his feet, whatever. Maybe that's when you blast that challenge bugle especially if you incorporate some like light raking something to kind of build the situation up a little bit versus going straight for the cow or the bull bugle because when we ended up shooting the one that jake shot last year we did that a lot more like ben was behind us bugling a little bit throughout but you were so much further back like you were you were like 150 yards back Mm -hmm. and you'd bugle and he would respond so then we'd cut in and then we'd cow call a little bit here and there as we were moving in. And then occasionally Ben would blast off a bugle. But it, it's a little bit different in that sense where it's like, okay, we're kind of creeping in with the calling incorporated from a distance. And then we ultimately bumped cows or bumped elk. I don't, I guess I shouldn't say that I know they're cows, but we bumped elk. And as soon as they bumped, I blasted off a bugle super close to that bull and he got super fired up. Well, as we're going back and forth, it's like me bugling, the bull bugling, and then Ben's bugling in there too. Everybody's cow calling, and then that other bull came up. Mm -hmm. So I think like in that situation, that's just a classic like, you know, Cody always talks about the midday madness. And I think that if you're going through a bedding area, blasting bugles, and then one responds. It, okay, let me paint a little bit better picture. You've got a north-facing bench, and you think that, you know, up the mountain a half mile and down the mountain a half mile, you've just got this super long wide bench, and you're working down, and it's nothing but solid timber, and you can't see but 40 yards. I think by all means, going through there, blasting bugles, cruising through that timber, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially if it's like relatively flat and you can't get to a point where you can hear it really easily or get a visual on it very easily. There's plenty of elk habitat in the country that's just, you know, relatively flat, solid timber. I mean, where we're at currently and where we just came from is a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Real flat but also super high elevation, dense timber, you know, all, all that stuff. It, it, it's the, the moral of this, I guess, is that, is that the right word? Moral of this? The point of this objective of this is saying that you're in solid timber. If you're just cruising through locator bugling, I think, you know, you strike up a bull, he responds back, then you move into him, but you started with the, the, the bugle. And that's one thing Cody talks about, too. Use what got you there. Mm-hmm. But if what got us there was listening from a high point and he has no idea we even exist, right. coming in hot with the bugle doesn't work. But if you've been cruising dark timber and you're cruising, 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 and that is the most effective strategy to cover the most ground based off the way the lay of the land is, mm-hmm. then I think by all means bugle. Like. I think it. I think it's just so situational th- and terrain and habitat based. Yeah, and I think something we didn't we didn't really try this year. We did it 
inadvertently last year <clears throat> was that was the person doing the bugling staying back like mm-hmm. around a main train feature or like a couple hundred mm-hmm. 300 yards back just something to keep him bugling because like they'll just talk back and forth like that with mm-hmm. no aggression yeah but when you do it within that certain bubble it's like whoa you're stepping on my toes yeah it's either whoa you're stepping on my toes i'm leaving or whoa you're stepping on my toes i'm pissed and i'm fighting yeah and i think unfortunately we haven't had a ton of them come in really in the last few years now to being aggressive with them and i'm 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 not saying again that i'm going to stop bugling because i do love to bugle i practice way too much to not use it in the woods (laughs) but it's like i just think uh you know reading that situation is going to be really important and then you know going back to the stalking thing i think that's we kind of got off on a tangent of you know specific calling and everything but speaking on the stalking aspect of it it's like elk really for for like whether it's that they can't actually see or what they live in is just hard to see through i think it's probably a combination but like it is amazing how much you can get away with when you can see an elk Mm -hmm. i'm talking wide open you don't even have any cover zero if you're not moving they can't they'll look right at you flick their ear and say okay we're good and like we've been having that the last few days where we're cru- like closing in on these elk and there's cows and you know a bunch of cows in a bowl and we can see cows everywhere but we can't quite see the bowl we can hear them bugling but it's like you can just keep moving in on them i'm not saying you know be crazy with it you, you got to still be smart you can't just bomb in on um on cows and expect them not to spook like they'll spook at some point but it's really really different than a deer mm-hmm. i will say that. and the main thing is you're going into these stalking situations with the wind in your favor yep yep like we had some good daytime like predictable daytime winds where you could just stay right above them and and, and kind of downwind and just follow the herd around the thing as I, long as you weren't I mean, you didn't win them for hours in a row yeah. just by staying above them. Mm-hmm. The thing that I found is interesting about wind and, like, confused me the first year a lot, but then I feel like I've gotten better and better at it, is, you know, it's, it's a classic term. Like, man, this Colorado winds. It's like those mountain winds hunting elk. It's like they're inconsistent. And it is inconsistent, but I think being, like, realistic with what you're dealing with is important so if you got sunshine or you got shadow or you got clouds like those three variables right there are going to change things you're going to have your predominant wind which is always important to note so like if you're in a big flat spot and you can kind of you know read that predominant wind or if you got service and you can check the predominant wind that's really important to know what that direction is generally speaking but the thermals are going to pull that differently but you have to know what the predominant wind is to really predict it best mm-hmm. do you want to speak on that a little bit colin yeah sorry i was watching this guy accidentally back all the way up onto the sidewalk no i was just i was just actually making a joke because i don't think that you ever know which way the wind's blowing out there i didn't this time cause i didn't <laughs> i did uh somebody forgot a wind checker when he came out here this year <laughs> 
shoot. I was just kind of throwing you under the bus. I know see you what you'd say. Yeah, you kind of caught me off guard with the whole situation up here. <laughs> I think there's a buck in the yard now, too. I got real sidetracked. Oh, shoot. Anyway, I think if you've got, like, a, a north-facing hillside, this is an example that we that we saw a lot. We had a north-facing hillside, and we had a wind that was predominantly coming out of the south a lot of days mm-hmm. in the last week has been the case. And I kept getting super frustrated in there going in there. It's like, man, sometimes the wind's coming up, sometimes it's going down. It's just not consistent. And really what I think that comes down to is is there's just not a the lot lead- of consistent sun or not sun on that north-facing hillside. And you're on the leeward side of the hill at that yep. point. Yep, so it's just kind of rolling over the top. We were able to get it somewhat consistent sometimes, but not as much as you'd think. You know, like there was times I know we were going down in the evening and the wind was coming up still. And it's just like, what? Mm-hmm. Like the, you can you can hear the water running in the creek bottom and you'd think there's no way that's not pulling that wind down there. But it'd be coming up. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is just because the inconsistency of the sun keeps the temperature in that particular north-facing slope just changing enough that the wind just changes Mm -hmm. so the reason i say that is like you take a rainy day for example and your wind is just going all over the place it's not consistent it's up and then it's down and then you you know you throw milkweed and it goes straight up or you drop milkweed and it goes straight down and sometimes it goes left and then the next time you know it'll go left three times in a row you're like oh nice and then it'll go straight right Mm -hmm. and i think it's because you don't have like a consistent like heating and cooling it's just you know, you got that really overcast, rainy day. It's just really hard to read. Yeah. Well, I two, mean, two all over the place. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, carrying milkweed, I mean, in any hunting situation, but especially in the mountains, is interesting mm-hmm. because you can watch it. Because if you only see those local winds that are right around you, like you don't understand what it's doing in that ditch over there. Yeah. And, I mean, we're always throwing it around in all kinds of different situations, but it helps a lot in the mountains because I feel like it just takes the hills like even the subtle differences in like an Iowa hill or something, yep. it takes that times like fifteen mm-hmm. on the, I guess how how much cha- wind it you know changes and swirls yep. and rises and falls. It just extreme makes everything extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the same concept. Like there's, a, like I said, a predominant wind and then either r- rising or falling. Yeah. And all, like all the timber. Yeah, yeah, the timber and the, like, you know, we're talking sometimes it's a matter of like being in an opening in like a little micro 30 by 30 yard opening in the timber the wind can be doing something different in that spot because the sun is hitting it versus getting shaded where the trees are Mm -hmm. and i man it's fascinating and like it's fun to get like subtly better at it every Mm -hmm. year like i feel a little bit more confident every year whether i'm deer or, or elk hunting i feel just a little bit more confident reading the wind every year and i feel like it also helps in those final moves, like whether you're stalking a deer or an elk, you know, if they get up and start moving, it's just like, you know where your downwind side is, like always know where that and cut them off, beat them there. And I think that that really helps in a lot of like final moments is yeah. like, cut them off, get to that. Like, don't let them get downwind or like, know that you got to shoot them before he hits right there. Mm-hmm. I think those are the little things that help, especially being as mobile as, we have become hunting both deer and elk. Mm-hmm. But I th- yeah, I think the big point of the going into those stalks or following elk, whatever you want to call it, it's just been, you've been, whether or not we talked about it, like you knew where the wind was and where mm-hmm. your, you know, consistent angle is going to be on them. And then you just follow on, like you said, you just try to 
shade on that side of downwind. Yeah. Occasionally in some of those situations, I guess we cow called, but like there's a lot of times too, cows were making noise. So we were just kind of blending in with that. And I think it's a fine line because you don't want to draw too much attention to yourself. Like if you're cow calling and you don't know that a cow is looking in your direction and you start moving, like that's dangerous. But, you know, sometimes just to break up, you know, break your, I guess, I guess cover your sound a little bit. Like sometimes I feel like we like make, you know, there'll be like three or four things in a row that happen really fast. Like the thing that I hate it, man, is that it doesn't matter whose pack it is. They're all loud. When those damn they creak, man. The, the, not even the creaking. It's the, which is annoying. It's hard to it's hard to listen past the creaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Grant's pack was creaking, son, at the end of that. But when when you hit a bow, you hit bow. a pine, and it just goes. It's so obnoxious, and it sounds so unnatural. It's like and, ripping fabric. Yeah, and we'll do like something like that three or four times in a row. Like, okay, let's say that happens one step, and then a guy unnaturally break like breaks something too loud, and then then the next guy like you know a little twig like hits his pants, slaps real hard. It's just like three or four of those in a row, and I'm like, eh, I better just like yeah to kind of let everybody know like yeah we're doing weird stuff over here, but we good. <laughs> I think that, that don't you worry about us. I think that makes a little bit of a difference. I don't know. That's just something that I've been messing around with a little bit more. But yeah, I I think all in all, you know, we're learning so much about elk and elk hunting, and I think that that's like kind of what I mean. Definitely in September time frame, like that's my interest, man. Like that's what I'm trying to learn more about because I want to just continue to like go do this and have conversations about it and potentially help other people too that are like you know noobs like us like honestly it's hilarious to look at like maybe more the 2020 season than anyone because it's just like at that point we were like oh yeah like we knocked one down and like we know what we're doing it's like dude you don't know anything we didn't like, know we a did, thing li- like so little yeah <laughs> And we, we were still out there trying, and we still had our close calls. I mean, we still had opportunities that we probably should have killed some bulls on. But, you know, it's crazy when you start to, like, chip away at these little things, how much more confidence or how much more, yeah, how much more confident you can be. And I, I, I want to continue to have these conversations because I know there's a lot of guys like us that are Eastern boys. I mean, I live out here now, but, like, I'm an Eastern boy. I didn't grow up hunting elk. And there's tons of people that make that trip every season. And, you know, whether or not you're about to go on it, you're on it, or, you know, you're home from it, or you want to do it in the future, I'm I'm, I'm really um, hoping that, you know, these podcasts help, like, give you some situational tactics, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's videos to accompany it. Yeah, there'll be videos. <laughs> there'll definitely be videos. Yeah, there'll be a lot of elk running around, and some of them run away from you. <laughs> <laughs> That's and right. Actually, we'll get one and pack them out. That's right. But you guys have any final thoughts on this episode? Think before you bugle. Yeah. That's what I'm learning. Yeah, it's definitely raking. Raking is a big one for me this week. Yeah, we'll, talk about that. That'll be the final that'll be the final learning point. It was like, well, 2 days ago now. Mm-hmm. Basically Zach said drop back call rake. Well, I did that. Didn't drop back far enough. Like maybe only like 
20 yards from where you were? Yeah, I didn't drop back very far. <laughs> in reality, in that situation, should have dropped back way farther. And then when I was raking, it was just so, so aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm just making as, I mean, at that point, I felt like I was making as much noise as I could for periods of like 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Well, looking back at it, it should have just been light raking, easy, light bugles to get the bull's attention because same thing he didn't even know we were there right and then we he had got stalked so- into that point we had just seen a cow and heard him bugle and all of a sudden it's like oh dang he's yeah. right here and for me it's like oh you know did everything he could and then zach and grant walked back and they're like man that was way too loud <laughs> like it it's deafening through when you're up here it's deafening so definitely learned real quick that night that like a way too aggressive on the trees. I think, I don't think that it's necessarily that you're too aggressive. I think it's again, plays into situational that night. It was so calm. Yeah. Like there was zero sounds, Mm -hmm. eerie calm. So when it went from no elk sounds to a bugle and a wooden baseball bat hitting aspens, you know, (laughs) is what it sounded like is it was just like that went from zero to, you know, 1500 before before uh you know from just in an instant it changed and i think that that's the the situational aspect of it because if it's super windy like you can make all that noise and it's gonna sound totally different right so you know it's not like it's it's not like it was the wrong thing it's just like making those little minor adjustments and again it comes down to we're we're just learning every experience we get and like we're just hoping to hoping to get better at some point yeah. and we i think we we are getting better i think we're just we're just learning that it's not all the same exact situation where you're going to bugle he's going to bugle back you move closer and hope he moves closer yeah. <laughs> you know it's yeah. not just always that straightforward and it, it seemed like it when we first started but <laughs> it sure as hell ain't now no yeah. it changed cool all right guys well I appreciate everybody listening. We're going to um, hopefully, you know, record a couple more here in the next few days. We got a little bit of a different strategy. We realize that we can all plug our wireless microphones into our phone. So we might try to record some podcasts afield. But as always, if you're listening to this and you got anything that you want to hear us talk about, whether it's elk, deer, turkey, uh, gear, whatever, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk about anything. I start to get to a point where, um, like, I run out of new ideas, I suppose. So I'm always open to new ideas. I always just talk about hunting in general. So that's what most of this hunting podcast is, Mm -hmm. is just us talking hunting like we always do. It's like, well, we might as well record this at some point. So hopefully you guys enjoy them. Let me know if you want to hear anything specific. Any final thoughts, boys? We got five more days to figure it out. Not to figure it out, to put what we've learned so far into good use. Let's go knock down a couple bulls and a bear. Ooh, forgot about the bear. Oh, yeah. Bonus little bear tag going on this season, <laughs> so you never know. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Catch you on the next one.